Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, I want to tell you something. You don't want to be between Steve Scafidi and his vacation. My goodness, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't standing in front of that door or else there would have been a train wreck. Jane Matinee, have you seen anybody blast out of here that quick? <laughs> he was heading out. There is no question about that. Boy, it's like there, there he goes. All right, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get started. And we'll, we'll be talking about the latest stuff from Dr. Fauci, and we'll be talking about Donald Trump's recent tweet and um, some really interesting and sad news going on out in Wisconsin Rapids and all of the like, lots of stuff like that. But I want to start off with, well, it, it's I, I guess I'll present it as an ethical dilemma, but to me it's one of these things that's just so clear and so black and white that I, I don't understand why anybody would, would pause. But 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 here, So here's the story. So this morning. I have to um, pick up, I, I take two prescriptions every month, and the, the total out-of-pocket cost to me for these two prescriptions every month total is $6.38. Right, so that, that's what it costs. And sometimes when I go into the store to pick them up, it, it just kind of depends on, on, I don't know what, sometimes I'll, I'll pull out the HSA debit card and I'll pay for the prescription drugs with that. Sometimes I'll, I'll just pay cash. So this morning... I, I go to the pharmacy because they'd called me and they said it's ready. So it, it, I know it's $6.38, and I happen to have a $10 bill in my pocket. Matter of fact, there was a $10 bill on a little shelf in my uh, in the closet where I you know, where I have my clothes, and I saw it, and I knew it was, I was going to pick up the, the prescriptions, and I knew it was going to be that. So I grabbed the $10 bill. So I go into the, the pharmacy. I go up and give him my name. I said, I'm picking up these two prescriptions. Guy finds them, and he says, okay, that, that's $6.38. I give him the $10 bill, all right? And I, I just happen to be looking at, like, the computer screen that you, you can see where he's, he's ringing these things up, and he puts in $20 instead of $10. And so the thing says, change, you know, $13 and, you know, what whatever, and $13 and, and whatever this was, $13.32. And, and for a minute, I was just thinking, I said, could I have possibly given the guy a 20? And then it occurred to me, no, I, I know, I'm sure it's a $10 bill. So I'm sure I gave him a 10. So he, he gives me my prescription drugs and he counts out $13.32. And I said to him, no, I, I think you've made a mistake. I, I only gave you a 10. And I, I gave him the two fives back. And he, he looked at me and then he kind of looked in the drawer and he paused for a second. And he said, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I see what I did. He said, thanks for, for telling me that. And I said, well, of course. <laughs> I said, it's, uh, of course. I, I said, I said, you know, that's, of course, I'm not going to take it. And he said to me, he said, you would be surprised how many people would not have mentioned that. And I said, really? And he says, yeah, it, it happens, you know, all all the time. And I presume the way they know about it is because, you know, at the end of the day, the cash drawer comes up, you know, off. But, you know, so, you know, he, he seemed, I don't want to say surprised, but genuinely appreciative, appreciative that I told him that he had made a mistake and he was giving me back too much more money. And I don't know surprised, but again, grateful that I had called his attention to it. But the guy tells me, no, it, it happens all the time where there is a mistake made where you have people who who 
don't give the money back. Now, it is possible that there's some of the folks there who just don't know that they've made a mistake. And, and you know, that, that can that can easily happen. On the other hand, my guess is that there's a lot of people when the clerk or the pharmacist or the pharmacy clerk or whatever or wherever you are makes that mistake and the customer knows that that mistake is in the customer's favor can come up with all sorts of ways of rationalizing keeping the money. Oh, this is this big pharmacy chain. You know, I, I need that $10 more than they need the $10. Or this is this big grocery chain, and I need that money more than they do. And I'm sure there's all sorts of people that that, that figure out ways to rationalize that and figure, well, it all kind, kind of comes out in the end because, you know, maybe there'll be a time six months from now or six months ago where I was overcharged and I didn't catch it. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Th- this is not virtue signaling or anything like that it's just legitimately i've been thinking about this all morning and i've been thinking about the guy telling me that people that that people will at least commonly enough will will keep money and presumably they know that they are not entitled to that i don't know about you but I just and of course that nobody's ever going to know this ten dollars. I mean, I I could have kept it. Nobody would have ever known the the difference, and I would have had an extra ten dollars. I would have had an extra ten dollars in my wallet. It would have more than pay. It would have over. I would have come out ahead and gotten the prescription drugs. But at the same time, I couldn't live with myself if if I if I did that. And I guess, I mean, I don't know if it's the golden rule: do unto others like you want to have them do unto you. But and it's a small amount of money. I. My conscience, if I would have kept that, that extra $10, I will tell you, it would have been bothering me all morning. It would have been bothering me this evening. Just the, the, the mental angst that I would have gone through in keeping that 10 bucks would have just outweighed any pleasure that I would have got out and out, gotten out of the 10 bucks. And as somebody who firmly believes that karma can be a you-know-what, I just I would not want to have that slap in the face from karma. And I appreciate that sometimes that there's you know, you're you're going to get the wrong amount of change or something's going to work out to your benefit and you're not going to know it. You're just not going to perceive it to be the case. And, for example, you know, if you're at a grocery store and you buy one hundred and forty dollars worth of of groceries and it turns out you're looking at the thing and it should have been 160 and, and you just didn't catch it. And, you know, would, would you go back and give them the 20 bucks? I don't know about that. But as far as keeping the money, I, I just I couldn't do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But that's just me. Be honest. If you're in that situation where clearly there is a mistake made and you know it's a mistake, but you're the only one that knows it's a mistake, are you keeping that dough or are you giving it back? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text, Jeff. I did a self-checkout at Sam's Club once and forgot to scan something underneath one of my packages. I realized that when I went out to the parking lot, I turned around, went back to customer service to pay for it. I I think it's the religious upbringing and the guilt that I would have suffered by thinking about it too much. It was the right thing to do. Yeah, I would have definitely... I would have definitely felt guilty keeping keeping that ten dollars, and I would be waiting for karma to slap me somewhere for for doing that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Bonnie and Campbellsport. Bonnie, you're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Bonnie. 
Um, me and my husband, we had a bank that was quite a ways away from where we were. That's where they direct deposited my husband's checking. And we went there to, to take out $300, and we didn't check the money when we left. And we were about 40 miles away from the bank when I was counting the money, and it was a $100 bill. They were brand new. And when we got away, I checked, and they were stuck together. There was $200 more because they were stuck together. And so we right away turned around and took it back. And the teller told us that if we wouldn't have done that, it would have came out of her checking out of her check, out of her paycheck, and she was very thankful. She said most people would not have done that. So yeah, you know, and that's what the guy I was talking to today. At least you know we didn't have this lengthy conversation, but he, you know, I said, "What well, doesn't you know? Everybody would do what I did," and he said, "No, everybody wouldn't do what you did." And I'm like, "Oh wow, I just," I, and again, I mean, I, I I figure it would be the other way if if the guy shortchanged me by mistake and you know had given me change for a ten and I'd given him a twenty, I I'd want to call that to his attention and I'd want him to give me the right amount of change. It's just it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. She said two hundred dollars. She said that that's a lot of money. I don't believe you turned around for that. And we said, well, it's not ours. So well, no, but you get to feel no, no. Thanks to call Bonnie, but I mean, it, it's to me, I guess it, it's doing the right thing. I mean, here's a text, Jeff. Where I work, it comes out of my pocket if I make a mistake. Here's another text. Jeff, I used to work in retail. If my drawer didn't add up at the end of the night, I had to make up the difference. I'm not positive that's legal, but I don't know one way or the other. I can, I'm going to say definitively. So whenever this type of thing happens to me, I think about that clerk and not about some big corporation. Let's talk to Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just very, very simple. This is not my property. It is. It needs to be returned. And talk about karma. When I was a kid, she's going to know it's me. She used to say to Grandma, I always taught her, if you steal anything, even if you even by act of omission, you're going to lose twice as much. And I can tell you as a kid, that was true. If I did something, you know, even if it was a dollar, I ended up breaking a toy three minutes later. It was karma is there when it comes to these things. It's very simple, very clear in my mind. Right. No, I, I exactly. I, I think, it, it, right, to me, thanks for calling. I mean, it's a, it's a clear cut, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. Now, again... You can get into gray areas, and to me, my situation this morning was was just a very, very clear cut, and it's a very easy sort of thing to deal with. Now, I, I will say that again. Let, let's use the grocery store example, where let, let's say we're again we're, we're talking about ten dollars, and you you get home and you find you're looking at the register tape, and you find that you've been undercharged for something or that there's something in your bag that the that the clerk didn't ring up or, or whatever. You know, you've got three bags of groceries and that the, the one thing of meat didn't ring up. And I, I don't know, would I would I go back for, you know, five or ten dollars? No, if we were talking about hundreds of dollars, definitely. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I, I don't know what exactly that level is. But on the spot, when you're there and you know it's a mistake, I just... I, I just don't see how you can not not do the right thing and, and give them give them the money back because again there might be a chance time when you're going to want to have that happen to you, Jim in Bayview. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello, everybody. I 
I'll tell you, I've had this sort of thing happen to me a number of times when, you know, I, I got more back than what I should have. And uh, right away, I, I'm telling the person at the register, you know, I, I'm not keeping that. You're going to be short at the end of your shift. And uh, that would be on my mind. I, I believe in the good karma, bad karma. And, right. you know, if, if, I, if I'm keeping the money, you know, extra money, I, I think, well, probably something's going to happen. And, you know, honesty is the best policy. Uh, you know, I went to the grocery store. I pulled out a shopping cart and there sits uh, someone's wallet. Well, I went right to the front desk and I turned in the wallet. You yeah. know, that person needs the wallet way more than me. Yeah. You know, you, you hear, I mean, thanks to call you, you hear that story as well. And again, it's, it, it's what, you know, we, we have these come up in different contexts, like you're, you're out in the grocery store parking lot and you, and you look down at the ground, this never happened to me. And you see, I, I don't know, you, you see, you know, $20. All right, so you know it, there's nobody around, so I mean you don't know how long that's been there. Okay, for twenty dollars, what are you going to end up doing with it? Are, are you going to keep it, or are you going to take it in? And you know, and again, these are all different amounts. On the other hand, if it's two hundred dollars or an envelope with two thousand dollars, obviously, I, I think most of us would would turn that in or say, hey, I found this out in in the parking lot or whatever. So I mean, again, I, I don't know where the, those different things fall in, but yeah, you, you find you find somebody's wallet. Yeah, if you, you know, you you want to you want to turn it in or call the police or, or do something, but you know, in that case, I, I think it's kind of clear cut. When it's when it's smaller amounts of money, I guess there's a temptation to do it. But um, for me, I guess it was kind of a, this easy sort of thing. Jeff, I live in a small town, rural area. I've had this happen to me at the bank a few weeks ago. I know the tellers, and when I got out, I know the bartenders very well. Um, I think I would be basically stealing from them. If I kept any mistakes, I guess that's kind of, to me, the way this whole thing kind of plays out as well. Now, again, let your conscience be your guide. And apparently, there's some people who treat it one way and there's other people who kind of jump up and down and say, oh, good, they made a mistake. I've got an extra ten dollars. As for me, I just don't think I could sleep at night. That's just me. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The COVID-19 pandemic is still taking its toll across the country. How will this impact schools in the fall? Join us Tuesday, August 11th for WTMJ Cares, a special roundtable hosted by John McCure. We'll have education experts here to answer any questions you might have about K-12 through schools, colleges, and universities, their plans for the fall, and heading into next year. If you've got a question that you'd like answered during the roundtable, please give us a call, 414-203-8105. Leave us a message with your question. That's 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares. It's powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. I, I guess when I when I saw the headline on this story, and I, I apply this not just to the Democratic National Convention scheduled for Milwaukee in August, but also to the Republican National Convention that was scheduled for what first North Carolina, then Jacksonville, now now back to North Carolina. And I guess my my question is to to both of the parties, given what's going on in the world. Why bother? 
Apparently, now, for the Democratic National Convention, we'll talk about that because it it centered Milwaukee. Remember at the beginning, it was going to be 50,000 people that are coming, and you're not going to be able to find a hotel room in a three-state area. And and I can remember multiple conversations we had before COVID-19, and one of our big issues was, should we change the law to allow the bars to stay open till 4 o'clock at night? I mean, we talked about that a couple times. That's that that is so clear. That is clearly like a a pre-COVID sort of conversation. There's no question about it, because now the delegates are essentially being told not to come. Elected officials are being told not to come. Um, Who knows who, if anyone, is going to show up? It's been moved out of Fiserv to, I I guess, the UW Panther Arena. But there's not going to be enough people here, I I think, to fill more than a big meeting room in the UW Panther Arena. Um, They're going to be putting people up in the dorms at Marquette University as opposed to taking all these hotels. And now the latest announcement, the Democratic National Convention will meet for just two hours nightly during the Milwaukee Convention. Now, I was an alternate delegate to the Republican National Convention. It was in San Diego in 1996, and it was a pretty cool experience. You know, you just you're, you're you know you're you're doing all these different events. You're piling into the convention hall, all those types of things. But you're there pretty much for the whole day. Um, the event, four day event. No more than two hours a night. Members of Congress told not to travel to Milwaukee. Delegates have been asked not to attend the event in person because of concerns over the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess the question to me becomes, if if you can only do it in, in this fashion and you can't have the hoopla and you can't have the meetings, and I apply this to the Republicans as well, I mean, why why bother? Why don't you just get together and recognize that, okay, Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat nominee, Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee, and then let's just just move on. And if you want to have, you know, one or the other of them be able to give their acceptance speeches from a studio in Washington, D.C. or wherever, let them do that. But if it's only going to be two hours a night and there's not going to essentially be anybody here, why bother? I mean, why not just save the dough and just move on to the general election? And it's unfortunate, especially for Milwaukee, that I know was really counting on an economic shot in the arm to come from this. But it's just, what's the cliche phrase? It is what it is. Well, it is what it is. And if you're only going to do two hours a night, how are you even going to fill those two hours if nobody's here? This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, we've spent a lot of time and energy over the course of the last couple months discussing the the various mask mandates that are out there. Governor Evers is just itching, itching, itching to impose a new statewide mask mandate. And, And my position is that I don't think this is the business of the state government to do that. I, I think if local communities decide, based on the needs in the locality, that you need to have a mask rule, I, I think that, that that's that's fine. Now, you can debate whether or not that's a government overreach, but I don't want to go down that route. But I, I, I think that we, we've one of the things that we failed to do throughout this entire COVID-19 approach is, is we've taken this one-size-fits-all uh, approach, and we did it with let's shut down the whole state without thinking about whether or not that does it make sense does it make sense to take say to the small business that's going to have the small tailor shop where the the tailor might in any given day have five or six people in the tailor shop 
right? Does it make sense to force to have forced him to shut down for months when, again, you're allowing the Walmarts and the Costcos of the world to open? I, I think we need to be smart moving forward and figure, all right, is, is the government order, if we are going to say to private businesses that you can't operate, is that going to significantly reduce the spread of COVID-19 or, or not? Which is why you can make an argument, I guess, if we believe now that, that part of the reason that you're seeing upticks in COVID-19 is because you have young people flocking into bars, okay, well, that, that could be an argument in some of the areas where there, there are hotbeds or epicenters like the city of Milwaukee. Okay, that could be an argument for, I guess, saying we've got to put more restrictions on bars, but it doesn't justify a restriction on the small jeweler or the, the, the dog groomer or, or whatever. It, that's, you got to be smart uh, about this. And that's why I think for the mask rules, you, you have to be smart as well. And I'm the guy that argues that one size did, does not fit all. If, again, in the city of Milwaukee, because that has been the epicenter of this throughout, you believe that you need aggressive restrictions and including the fact that you need to tell people they've got to wear masks when they're outside, something that I, I think is kind of questionable scientifically. But, okay, if, if that's just what you decide you have to do, fine. Let the city of Milwaukee do that. If the if Dane County decides that, you know, what they think they need to do to keep people safe is when you're sitting in your own individual office, in an office building, that you're supposed to wear your mask. We'll put aside how the fact that that's not enforceable. But if that's the rule, that when you're by yourself in your office, you got to wear the mask, okay, give Dane County the authority to, to impose that particular rule. But in parts of the state where you do not have major outbreaks of COVID-19. I, I think, you know, those communities should be able to decide for themselves what's appropriate, which is why, for example, you know, Waukesha says we're not going to have a, we're at this point in time, we're not planning a, a public mask mandate. We believe lots of people are doing that on their own. Businesses are doing that. But again, it's tailored to individual needs based on communities and a recognition that what you might need to do in the city of Milwaukee is different than what you need to do in Lomira or different than what you need to do in Verona or different than what you need to do in La Crosse. And, and that's been my only point. But, okay, so we've been spending a lot of time talking about masks. Well, here's where the next issue might be. Uh, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, gives an interview yesterday um, with with ABC News. And what comes up, is not masks, but they're talking about the next step. And I, I sent out, matter of fact, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a link to this story. And now the late, latest thing that people are discussing isn't masks, but it's goggles. Um, the, the network, ABC News's network, their chief medical correspondent asked Dr. Fauci yesterday whether he could see goggles shielding the eyes being recommended at some point. And he said, well, you know, it it might. He said the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19 infects um, the surfaces of, of, of the nose and parts of the body, including the eyes, the nose, and the mouth that secrete mucus to stop pathogens and dirt from getting into your body. So perfect protection for these surfaces would include covering every one of them. Theoretically, you should protect all of the surfaces. So if you have goggles or an eye shield, you should use it. 
He said, well, it's not universally recommended, but if you really want to be complete, you should probably use it if you can. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, right now, nobody's talking about mandating goggles. But, of course, two and a half months ago, nobody was talking about mandating masks. Now, you know, we, we've got we've, we've got this push for statewide mask mandates. Uh, we've got people who are militant about th- this whole thing, saying it's just irresponsible not to wear masks. Well, not to wear masks. Well, what about the question of goggles? Is this a, a good idea? And if it is, in fact, true that part of the way that this thing spreads is maybe, you know, getting into your eyes and stuff. All right. Should we be wearing goggles in public as well? And if this was recommended by the government, would you do it? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Goggles. Is this a bridge too far? Or is this the next logical step as, as to where we're going if we want to try to have absolute safety? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, now again, no, nobody at this point in time is saying that we, we want mandatory goggles that when you go out in public. But Dr. Fauci yesterday in an interview with ABC News says, well, you know, it it, it can enter through the eyes, and if you want perfect protection, you you should be wearing goggles. That that's just something that people can consider. My question is. All right, is this going to be the next step? And if suddenly we decide, okay, we want that added level of protection, would people put up with wearing wearing goggles? And for people who say, well, it could never possibly come to that, I don't know. Would you have thought two months ago that we would be having this ongoing debate and mandatory mask rules and things of the like? Stuff stuff evolves. And Dr. Fauci says, if, if, if you want sort of perfect stuff, wear, wear goggles. Is it possible? Would people put up with it? Now, my answer is, I think even for all the folks out there who are are living in absolute terror of COVID-19, absolute terror, I, I think the goggles would be going a bit too far. But but I don't I don't know. I mean, goggles, hazmat suits. I mean, where do we go from here? Let's talk to Debbie in Germantown. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Um I kind of think the masks are are enough. Um, You know, it's not been proven either that they fully stop it. And as far as, like, with people with glasses or wearing sunglasses, I mean, they're already got their eyes covered. So why would you put goggles on top of that? Well, I guess. Well, I guess the thing would be goggles would protect you on on the sides, I guess, theoretically. But um, so you think this is a bridge too far? You don't think we're ever going to get to that stage? Uh, we may, but I think it's a little bit too far yeah. um, just because, like, I mean, I don't think Fauci fully practices what he preaches either because after he threw out that first pitch at the Nationals game, there's pictures of him sitting in the stands with the person on each side of them. They're wearing their masks and his is down around his neck. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, I mean, yeah, I, I and, and again, I'm not sure that he, he might have been, you know, getting ready to have a, a drink of water or something like that. So I, I don't I, I, I think I I'm not one of these critics of Dr. Fauci. I, I think he he's candidly 
I, I think he views stuff from a public health perspective, which is what his job. As a matter of fact, the Surgeon General, when he had him on the other day, he, he kind of made this point. He said, "Well, the you know the health people view things from the health perspective. That that's their job." Um, other there's other interests. I mean, it's not purely a public health question. It's you have to worry about the economy and things like that. And it's always going to be a balancing act because the the truth of the matter is, if you wanted perfect protection, we we would be saying masks. We'd be saying goggles. We'd be saying don't go out in public unless you're wearing a hazmat suit. All right, that or don't go out in public at, at all. We we'd be saying that, but that's. I think that that's ridiculous to take that position. And again, you have to have this balancing that's there. So, I mean, I think Dr. Fauci is is well-intended, but I think at some point in time, I, when, I, when I saw this story, I, I admit it kind of raised my eyebrows because I'm going, really? I, I, I can't imagine that people will now be starting to say, okay, as a general rule, if you're going to go out in public, in order to protect yourself even more, that you're going to need to wear goggles or the face mask. Now, having said that, when I went to the dentist a couple weeks ago, you know, they were all wearing those those visors on top of everything else. But if you've been to the dentist lately, at least if you go to a dentist who practices the the safe procedures that mine does, I mean, it is. He's got a bandana on, and he's got uh, like three layers of of different uh, robe clothing that's on and the gloves and you know all and then the face shield and all that type of stuff it it does you feel like you're kind of in a science fiction movie but okay it's it's what they need to do in those specialized things i understand maybe at a dental office i'm not sure i necessarily see that from you know the the average person doing that because at some point in time i i think you you have to balance the danger and the risk. And I guess if we get to the point where we're so concerned about this and you're so afraid about going outside, if, if you don't have goggles on, well, maybe that's the point where you just make the individual decision that, that you're not, you're just not going to go outside at, at all and you're just going to ask people to deliver stuff. I almost hate coming up with this topic though because I'm wondering if there's some people out there saying, huh, Goggles. Maybe we should have mandatory goggle rules as well. Jeff, people are losing their minds over masks. No, people will not wear goggles. Well, yeah, I, I think that that might be, I think that might be a bridge too far. Um, Jeff, I want a second opinion on the goggle idea. Is this being done in other countries? No, I don't think it's being done anywhere right now. Jeff, goggles, really? Let's all just get out the hazmat suits. Um, well, okay, there's, there is that different issue that's out there. I'm, I'm not calling for this. I'm just saying that a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, we would not have been having the heated discussions we're having about masks if if we don't develop a vaccine and the numbers don't go down, all I'm saying is don't be surprised if 90 days from now we're not talking about something beyond the masks. Because if people start to wear masks now and the numbers don't go down, what's the next step going to be? Could it be goggles? <laughs> this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, we have breaking news. I have in my hands an order just issued by Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. Now, before I tell you the order, let's understand what is going on. He has been unhappy ever since the state Supreme Court struck down his safer at home rules, saying that the Department of Health didn't have the the authority to put them in place as long as they wanted to continue them. All right, the state Supreme Court... There's something going on tomorrow, I believe, or the next day. um, One of the justices, Dan Kelly, who voted 
in favor of striking down Safer at Home. He lost his bid for election. He's off the court. A liberal named Jill Karofsky, she will replace him. Still a 4-3 majority, conservative majority, but one of the conservatives had voted in favor of Safer at Home. So there's a different dynamic. Governor Evers, and this is we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, has been waiting until there is a change in the Supreme Court, I believe, to do certain things. And he has acted. Here is the press release. Governor Evers issues executive order declaring public health emergency and requiring face coverings statewide. Here's the press release. Governor Evers today declared a public health emergency and issued an emergency order requiring individuals to wear face coverings when indoors and not in a private residence with some exceptions as clarified and defined by the order. The order is effective at 12.01 a.m. on Saturday, August 1st, and will expire on September 28th, 2020, or by a subsequent superseding order. So he's got the authority for 60 days. While our local health departments have been doing a heck of a job responding to the pandemic in our communities, the fact of the matter is this virus doesn't care about any town, city, or county boundary, and we need a statewide approach to get Wisconsin back on track. We've said all along that we're going to let science and public health experts be our guide in responding to this pandemic, and we know that masks and face coverings will save lives. While I know emotions are high when it comes to wearing face coverings in public, my job as governor is to put people first and do what's best for the people of their state, and that's what I am going to do. Under this order, Wisconsin residents ages five and older are required to wear a face covering when they are indoors or in an enclosed space with anyone outside their household or living living unit. Face coverings are strongly recommended if you are outdoors and maintaining physical distancing is not possible. The order also enumerates exceptions to the requirements, listing activities such as when the individual is eating, drinking, or swimming. Individuals with health conditions or disabilities would also preclude the wearing of a face coverage. Face covering are exempt from this requirement. So that is the breaking news. Statewide mask order going into effect um, essentially early Saturday morning, 12.01. It, would, it says that anybody inside anywhere in the state when you're not in your own, when you're not in a private residence, you are obligated to wear a face covering recommended for outside. But unlike the city of Milwaukee, this does not extend to outside. Recommends it, doesn't require it. There are exceptions for swimming and eating and drinking. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and the governor, you know, he's very clear. He says, look, I, it, it's, we're, we're looking at this on the statewide level. I think that it's important to do that, even though, again, there are differences between counties. But he is now saying statewide, this is going into effect. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I have argued that we do not need a statewide mandate, that it is best to allow local officials to decide how to handle this. Clearly, my guess is there will be a legal challenge to this. How that turns out, I don't know. But the governor, I think, emboldened by the fact that you've got a change on the state Supreme Court, he's decided that this is the moment that he's going to issue the statewide mask mandate. Your reaction, 855-616-1620, we discuss after Melissa's news.
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Uh, the governor is going to be having one of his press briefings at uh, 1.30 this afternoon, and we will we'll carry at least a portion of it uh, where he discusses the order. This is, of course, the breaking news. Uh, governor Evers has been waiting for this opportunity, and it, because the Supreme Court, the composition of the Supreme Court changes on Saturday, and a, a liberal takes over from a conservative, I, I think he's figuring or hoping that if this matter gets litigated, maybe there will be a different result. Don't know how that's going to all play out. But in any event, if you're just tuning in, the governor has now, after previously saying he didn't think he had the authority to do this, he has now decided to issue a statewide mask mandate, which, as a general rule, requires individuals to wear face coverings when indoors and not in a private residence. Um, Wisconsin residents ages five and older required to wear a face covering when they are indoors or in an enclosed space with anyone outside their household or living unit. Face coverings are recommended if you are outdoors. There are also certain exceptions to the requirement, including when you are eating, drinking, or swimming. Um, and again, there, there's other exceptions as well. Somebody was saying, well, what, what about a media thing? Are you going to have to wear a mask when you do the radio show? I don't think so, because I think there's a broadcast exception, but I'm not positive. I have not seen the list of the exceptions to this yet. In addition, I don't know how it works with regard to to restaurants, for example, or for for bars, whether it means that you have to wear your mask when you are inside the, for example, the restaurant, except if you're in the act of eating, don't know how specific it is going to be, have not seen the exceptions that are there yet. But you know the governor has been itching to do this, and again, he's issued the statewide order, our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Jim in Maguanago says, good luck enforcing this. What can Tony do if people refuse to comply? Well, that's been the issue, you know, all along. If people choose not to comply with this, what, how, how do you, in fact, enforce this? And, but at the same time, even if they, they don't have a good enforcement mechanism, my guess is they're, they're hoping that just the fact that there is this order out there that requires people to, that the people will comply because there's an order. All right, 855-616-1620. Let's start with Charlie in Greenbush. Charlie, you're on WTMJ. Thank you, Jeff. Sure. Uh, my comment on this is I think it is long overdue that the governor enacts this. And the reason I'm saying that is because at this point in time, I don't feel the public is taking this seriously. I had the opportunity, or the misopportunity, to have to go to three different pharmacies on Sunday. Uh, each one had posted on their doors, face masks required. Right. And each one of them, as I was going to the back of the store to get to the actual pharmacist, I noticed numerous people without wearing masks. And maybe, just hopefully, this will encourage people to do the right thing. Let me ask you this. What do you think is going to, I guess, that was my question. What do you think is, is going to change? If people, 
if people decide that they're not going to follow the, those signs where the, the businesses say we encourage you to wear a mask, what what is going to happen? What do you think should happen to the people who aren't wearing the masks? I if if they are required, I would say it would it's the it is the responsibility of the business owner to ask them to leave. And if they, if the business owner does not ask them to leave, I think the business owner should be fined. Okay. And if the business, and I realize enforcement would be yeah. almost impossible. Okay. But at least I, my hope is that it, it at least it'll get the message out to people. Hey, this is serious. We need to we need to help each other. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the call. I mean, I, I do raise the issue in force. And, and by the way, the the state the the order will say that you can have individual communities can have restrictions that are more extensive than the state order. So, for example, the city of Milwaukee, which requires masks outside if you're going to come within two yards of someone, an order I. Matter of fact, I had to drive through the northwest part of Milwaukee today. Saw all sorts of people. I saw nobody complying with that order, wearing masks outside. Absolutely nobody. But the city of Milwaukee has that order in place. Under Evers's order, you can have more restrictions. So the city of Milwaukee would be able to say, okay, we, even though this is more restrictive than the governor's order, we will also want to require people not to wear masks outside. Jeff, this means all students in school need to wear a mask all day. Yes, that, that that's correct. Matter of fact, there's a number of rural school districts that had planned to reopen in-person learning and and um, no mask requirements. Yes, this this would say any school that's deciding to reopen to in-person learning because it applies to kids five years old or older. So any school that's planning to reopen needs to have masks, regardless of what's going on in the local community, regardless of whether it's the city of Milwaukee, where you you do have huge outbreaks, or a community that's had almost no instances of of COVID-19, right? This takes away the discretion from the local officials. You have no choice for this. All right, we continue the conversation in just a moment, and we will carry the governor's remarks on this at 1.30 this afternoon. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I have the list of exceptions here. Face coverings required. I'm looking at the order. Every individual age five or older, five and older, in Wisconsin shall wear a face covering if both of the following apply. The individual is indoors or in an enclosed space other than at a private residence. So what this means, unlike what they're doing in Dane County, is since it's a private residence, if you invite friends over for for dinner, for example, they do not you will do not have to wear a, a mask. Um uh, let's see. Um, and another person or person who are not members of the individual's household are present in the same room. But you, you need both. Private residents are excluded. Okay, exceptions. Here we go. Um, individuals who are otherwise required to wear a face covering may remove the face covering in the following situations. While eating or drinking. And again, I don't know how that's going to, what that means is a practical matter. When communicating with an individual who is deaf or hard of hearing. When obtaining a service that requires the temporary removal of the face covering, such as dental services. So, yes, when you, you go to the dentist, 
you you can take down your your face mask. I'm getting my regular tomorrow eight fifteen. I've got my my I've got a temporary crown on. I'm getting my regular crown on. But yes, dental offices can in fact stay open while sleeping. So you, you don't have to wear your face. I'm not making this up. You don't have to wear your face mask while you're sleeping, while swimming or on duty as a lifeguard. While an individual, single individual, is giving a religious, political, media, educational, artistic, cultural, musical, or theatrical presentation for an audience, the single speaker may remove the face covering when actively speaking. So I think that means I'm okay. Um, while the face covering is removed, the speaker must remain at least six feet away from all other individuals at all times. Okay, well, our studio's set up that we're six feet apart. Um, okay, other exceptions. When engaging in work while wearing a face covering would, would create a risk to the individual. When necessary to confirm the individual's identity, including while entering a bank, when federal or state law regulations prohibit wearing a face covering. So, okay, that's... That's where you have it. And then there's exceptions for people who have, you know, health conditions. And um, if you're unconscious, incapacitated or otherwise unable to remove the face covering, if you're unconscious, OK, you're 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 exempt from this particular decision. Um, the enforce the order is enforceable by civil forfeiture of not more than two hundred dollars, not more than two hundred dollars. Well, again, we'll. I, I am genuinely curious as to um, I am genuinely curious as to uh, you know who, who's going to be enforcing that. Jeff, sounds like this would apply to people in hallways in apartment buildings. I maybe um, maybe um, let's see, uh, Jeff. What are the odds the mask mandate will have an expiration date of never? Well, right now, it, it's 60 days. It's the health emergency, so I think it runs till September 28th. So they're declaring a new health emergency, and he's using that authority. Um, I don't I don't know how this is all going to play out. And like I say, I don't know how, as a practical matter, this is going to work when you have the people that are in the restaurants or things like that. So I guess the, the bottom line is that this is what the governor thinks is appropriate. It's necessary. He believes that with the new composition of the Supreme Court, he'll be able to do this legally. Um, time will tell whether that works out. will be interesting to see whether people end up complying with this and how this works on a practical basis. Having said that, I mean, at least where I hang out, most of the stores that I end up going to, matter of fact, all of the stores I end up going to, you know, say we, we want you to wear face masks. And so I always carry my face mask with me and I put it on when I go into the pharmacy, like the story I was telling this morning, or I go into the liquor store, or I go into the grocery store. So maybe this won't be that big a deal when it comes to stores. I think the bigger issue is going to be in office buildings and things of the like. Well, the governor believes it's necessary. Governor believes he has the authority to do it. Um, we'll see as this plays out. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, a number of people are asking various questions. Um... 
and uh, some of which I, I'm not sure how this is all going to play out. A couple of people are saying, is this an effect for outdoors? No, it, it is. it does not. Unlike the city of Milwaukee's, this does not apply to outdoor situations. Somebody is asking me, what about working out at a gym? I, I don't see any exceptions for gymnasiums, I, I, at least in, in the order that I read. So I, I think, at least off the top of my head, at first blush, I think that this says that um, I, I think if you're if you're going back to to a gymnasium, yes, you are supposed to. You're going to be required to wear a mask, you know, while you're working out because that's it's it's not a residence and it's it's a private bill. It's a building. So open to the public. So I think you've got that. Um, Somebody was asking me about somebody was asking me about um, cars. I I want to look at the order again. I don't. The question was, what if you are riding in a car? with a non-family member. For example, yesterday I, I took my car in for servicing. My wife brought me to work and my, my very dear friend picked me up and, and, and drove me to pick up the car after work. Um, I, I don't think it applies to cars, but that I got to go back and look at the, the order again. So I think that's, but I, I don't think it applies to Vehicles, but let me just take an asterisk there and say I, I want to go back and look at it again. But no, I, I think you could be in your, I think you could be in your vehicle with somebody other than a family member and you, you don't have to wear the mask. But I'm, again, I'm not, not positive about that. But regardless, th- this is not as restrictive as I guess it could have been. For example, it, it could have mirrored Dane County's ordinance, which says if you go, if somebody goes to somebody else's residence, the, the, the guests are required to wear masks, even though nobody is following that, I, I don't think. Um, it, it could have tried to apply to outdoors. It, it does not. So I guess it could have been broader. But uh, the bottom line of this is, I think there's a lot of people out there who say that this is long overdue and we need to do this in order to get control of the spread of COVID-19. I guess my question becomes if if three weeks from now or four weeks from now, the order's been in place and the, the numbers aren't really dramatically changing, where do we go next? I mean, what is the plan B? Now, candidly, even though I do not think, and I've argued this consistently, I don't think a statewide one-size-fits-all requirement is appropriate. I think local communities should have the authority to to deal with this. I mean, all right, now that you've got this, or if this is the alternative to closing down the state again, something that I, I firmly believe Governor Evers would do if he thought that he could legally do it, if, if this is the alternative and you know you got to wear a mask to go into that jewelry store or the dog groomer's got to wear a mask or the small luggage store the people have to wear a mask if that's the requirement i, I think that's a good trade-off in order to keep those businesses open and not unemploy more people um my only question is if this doesn't dramatically reduce the number of and the spread of covid cases where where do we go from here and what is the next step that's out there um I would have done this not on a statewide basis, but I would have allowed localities to try to tailor the responses to the needs of their individual community, recognizing that what you might need in the city of Milwaukee is different than what you might need in the North Woods. But that's obviously not the approach that's being taken. So, um, again, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to carry the governor's briefing um, where he, he talks about, I think he's going to pretty much repeat what's contained in here. 
um, as far as the different exceptions and some of the variations and some of the permutations, not exactly sure how some of these different scenarios are going to play out. But the general rule is if you are inside, outside of, if you are inside and it is not a private residence, you will be expected to wear a mask. And the penalty, it's not a crime. It is a civil enforcement thing. The penalty is $200. Who's going to be out there enforcing it? I, I, I just, I, I honestly don't know. Um, it goes into effect 12.01 a.m. Saturday morning, which means uh, tomorrow is fine. But then starting 12.01 Saturday morning, that's going to be the rule. And the order says it stays in effect until essentially September 28th. It's 60 days, which is what the statute gives the governor for emergency rulemaking power. So it's in effect for 60 days, and unless it's canceled earlier or unless the governor decides to try to continue it. So all that's coming up. Okay, tell you what, uh, when we come back, we're going to have the governor. He's going to be addressing state of Wisconsin with regard to this order that he originally said he didn't think he had the authority to sign, but now he's decided to go ahead and issue it. And a lot of other stuff coming up on today's program as well. Right now, though, it's almost one Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Melissa Barkley. Thank you, Jeff. And as you said, Jeff, breaking news this afternoon, Governor Evers declaring a public health emergency today and issuing an emergency order requiring people to wear face coverings indoors, but not in private residences. This will pertain to people ages five and older. The order goes into effect early on Saturday. It will expire on Monday, September 28th. Face coverings, though, are strongly recommended if you are outdoors when you can't maintain physical distancing. The average number of new confirmed coronavirus cases has drastically increased throughout July. The governor is expected to speak about the mandate. Right now, we're going to go to the governor. He is speaking about the new mask mandate in the state. Andrea Palm and available to answer questions are Dr. Ryan Westergaard, the Chief Medical Officer with the DHS Bureau of Communicable Diseases, and Ryan Nielsen, the Chief Legal Counsel for the Governor's Office. We'll begin the briefing with remarks from Governor Tony Evers. Good afternoon and welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. I know so many of you throughout this pandemic have been doing your part to flatten the curve and help keep our families and our neighbors and our communities safe by staying safer at home, limiting social interaction and travel, and wearing face coverings whenever you go out in public. So I want to thank you, as always, for all the work you've been doing and the sacrifices you're making and your commitment to doing everything you can so that we can get through this pandemic together. A few months ago, Wisconsin was in pretty good shape. The numbers were improving and we've made, and we, we had made real progress in fighting this virus. Unfortunately, things have changed drastically since then. The tide has turned and we've seen a surge in new cases across our state. Although we're fighting the same pandemic, we find ourselves in a completely different situation than one we were in just a few months ago. Local public health departments and workers have been doing their best to respond to this pandemic in our communities, and they've all been doing a hell of a job. But what we know to be true is that this virus doesn't care about any town, city, or county boundary. Doesn't care whether you live in the Dodge County or Fond du Lac County side of Waupon. It doesn't care whether you're perfectly healthy or young. And it doesn't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat. 
I know there have been those who've demanded a piecemeal rather than a statewide approach. They've said we do not need a statewide effort to respond to this crisis. Well, we tried their way. Folks, it's not working. Our statewide efforts to combat this virus have worked before, and so that's what we announced here today. So today, I declared a new statewide public health emergency as we battled a new surge of COVID-19 across our state. I also announced a new face covering order that will go into effect on August 1st at 12.01 a.m. Give folks enough time to get face coverings if they don't already have them. Although we're facing new and different circumstances than we were a few months ago, the one thing that hasn't changed since then is what I've said all along. We're going to listen to the science and public health experts to guide our decision making. And folks, the science and public health experts are telling us that face coverings and masks can save lives. My mask protects you, your mask protects me. And our masks work best when we both wear them together. Under the order I signed today, face coverings will be required for every person age five and older anytime you are indoors or in an enclosed area and you're not in a private residence. That means you can still go for a walk outside, go swimming, or eat without a face covering on. But if you're going to, to head to the grocery store or you're supporting a local restaurant and waiting for your food, we need you to mask up, folks. And if you are at a private residence but you're with a, with a, a small group of people, we'd still encourage you to wear a face covering. We cannot allow this virus to go unchecked and we have to take steps quickly to flatten the curve, slow the spread. We have to get back on track to make sure this virus doesn't cause any more setbacks to our economy than it already has. The sooner we get back to working together to flatten the curve and prevent the spread of COVID-19, the sooner we can get back to work, school, sports, shopping, restaurants, and doing all the things I know we all miss, as soon as we can do them safely. I know folks are worried that the order I'm issuing today keep people to keep people healthy and safe will immediately be challenged by Republicans in the court. I know folks are worried another ruling could just create more chaos as we respond to this pandemic. I'm worried about that too. But my job as governor is to put people first, to do what's best for the people of our state, and to do everything I can to keep people healthy and safe. So that's what we're going to do. Please continue to look out for your neighbors and to stick to our Wisconsin values of kindness, respect, and empathy. And understand that the most powerful thing you can do is to serve as an example to those around you by wearing a face covering, practicing physical distancing, and following best safety practices. While I know emotions are high when it comes to wearing face coverings in public, I want to remind everyone that we are in a battle against this virus, not against each other. Public health is a team sport, and it is on all of us together to ensure that these efforts are successful. Stay home as much as you're able. Wear your face covering in accordance with the order. And remember that a face covering is not a substitute for physical distancing, so keep six feet away from others. Let's mask up Wisconsin and let's work together to get our state back on track. 
And now I'll turn things over to Secretary-designee Andrea Palm. All right, so that's Governor Evers. Um, I, I've been reading the, the order and the exceptions while he was speaking. A number of people were saying, does it apply to automobiles if you are driving and there is somebody other than somebody other than a family member that's in the car. And, and my, I, I don't think so. That, that's, that was my general sense. And um, because you have to be indoors or in an enclosed space that's, um, that, that's op- essentially open to the public. So I don't think it would apply if you want to pick up your, your buddy and give him a ride. It does, however, apply to outdoor bars, outdoor restaurants. They, they are enclosed spaces, taxis, public transit, rideshare vehicles, and outdoor park structures. So um, if you're in a taxi, if you're on a bus, if you're in the outdoor restaurant or an outdoor bar, yes, you're supposed to wear the face mask, except if you are eating and drinking. Again, I, I don't understand. I don't know how, how what they mean by that. Does that mean that you... I don't know, have to keep it on until you're served your food or you're served your drink. Don't, don't know how that is all going to play out. Now I have gotten, uh, I, for example, I, I have an email, or a text right now from somebody saying, I'm a wash, I am a Waukesha County mayor. I'm in the process of drafting a press release announcing we will not be enforcing this on a local level. I encourage people to follow Waukesha County Health Department guidelines, but we will not be using our valuable police resources to enforce this order. This, again, just does raise the other issue that's out there, which is if how, how do you enforce this statewide as a practical matter, or is this more, okay, we, we've got the rule, kind of like in Chicago. Chicago has put in this, okay, we expect people to quarantine. If you've been outside of Chicago for more than 24 hours and you're coming from various states, and they've had the rule in effect, but they, they've never at least so far enforced that nobody's ever been fined. Don't know how that's going to all play out. These are all kind of open questions that are out there. Like I say, in the city of Milwaukee, they've had this ordinance which requires people to wear face masks when they're outside and they can't social distance. And I can just say anecdotally, having driven around parts of the city of Milwaukee over the course of the last week or so, I don't see a lot of people wearing face masks when they are outside, even if they are in close quarters with each other. And I'm not talking about on the beach, but I'm, I don't know, talking about people, you know, walking down the sidewalks or, you know, people who are working um, on various outdoor activities. So how do you enforce this? Don't know. Those are questions that remain. But anyhow, the governor has now waded in and we'll have more of this as the afternoon goes on. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You know, I often believe that that President Trump is his own worst enemy. And I guess I was somebody was asking me yesterday about what what I thought what where I thought the election was going and and was the Trump campaign in trouble and my answer was yeah I, I think it it is I mean I, I don't know what the dynamic is going to look like a uh, hundred days from now but yeah I I think I don't think you can look at the way things have developed now now if we did not have the coronavirus pandemic I think it would have been a much different situation 
And and if this country hadn't gotten hit with coronavirus, do I think that there was a very, very good chance that President Trump would have won re-election? Yeah, I, I do. The economy was going great guns, and, and I think uh, I think that that would have worked out. But at the same time, this whole dynamic has changed. Now, maybe I'm going to be completely wrong. I didn't see President Trump winning in 2016, and I might be wrong about that, and a lot can happen in 100 days. But if I were a betting guy, I'd, I'd say the odds of his being reelected right now, if the election were held tomorrow, not not great. But again, things can change. But the the thing that's always struck me is that even when things were going well, President Trump has this tendency to I don't know be able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in in, in many respects, and a lot of it has to do with a number of the tweets that he sends out and some of the fights that he picks. And, and I've seen this going on over four years, and maybe it's something that, that's followed him throughout his whole career, that this that this inability to, I don't know, just kind of let stuff go. And I understand why that, that has an appeal to, you know, some people who say, just, I, I love the fact that the guy's a fighter. To, to me, th- there's battles you fight, and then there's, sometimes where you say this doesn't matter just ignore it and you're just better off ignoring it because you know just because there's a squeaky wheel well you know sometimes if you just let it squeak long enough it falls off and then you don't have to worry about it anymore but the the president he's he can't help himself sometimes and he, he ends up again bringing on issues and contentions and things like that that just make a lot of people even people who I think you know want to support him kind of just shake their head and today was another example of this uh this morning the the president if you haven't been following this sent out a sent out a tweet and in the tweet um he alluded to the fact that that maybe he felt the election coming up in November should be postponed. Um, here, here's what he tweeted. With universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, so now, now first of all, the, the, the president, the election dates are, are set by Congress. So the, the president ha- has no authority to delay the election. And I don't know that he necessarily said that, but, but you, you look at what he tweeted, and of course the, the story, and this is the headline in the Washington Post, and while I don't think the Washington Post is particularly fair to the president on many occasions, um, the headline is, Trump floats idea of delaying the November election, a power granted to Congress as he ramps up attacks on voting by mail. And, and that's a fair headline. He floated the idea of delaying the, the election. Now, his term, regardless of whether the election were to be delayed or not, his term ex- expires. You know that that's it. That that's set by the Constitution. So you know you delay the election, but you can only delay the election a month or you know whatever a month and a half because your term expires. It's not like you can just kind of continue to occupy the the office. You have to have the elections. But the broader point is. 
by, by throwing this out there, you have now made this, at least on the national level, you've made this the, the dialogue for, for the day. And you're going to have all sorts of people that are going to be discussing, oh, did you see that Trump is trying to delay the election, et cetera, et cetera. So now you have every Republican in the country, including lots of Republicans that are running for reelection, and, and their, their phones are ringing off the hook from members of the media who are now asking, well, you know, President Trump says we should delay the election because of this. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think? And th- this is just kind of the game of gotcha that gets played because when, when the, the side is flipped and when you have Bill Clinton as the president or Barack Obama as the president and they come out with something, you, you don't have reporters calling every Democrat saying, do you agree with this? Do you disagree with that? But it, it's just the different dynamic that's there. But, but now this has become the issue. So whatever, whatever issue. Congress, Republican congressmen wanted to talk about, or women, whatever Republican senators wanted to talk about, whatever Republican legislators wanted to talk about today, whatever, you know, they were going to push, well, that, that's now been bumped off the, the agenda, and now you've got everybody that's wrestling with the idea of do you delay the November election, and to that end... Um, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel story right now. Sense and Brenner and Voss break with Trump over delaying the November election. And both, you know, Jim Sense and Brenner and Robin Voss both said, well, no, we, we, we can't do this. Congressman Sense and Brenner says the election should not be delayed. 20th Amendment, since the terms of the election is clear, terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. And, and again, and of course, you know, this is, it just, it makes sense. And from the perspective of Wisconsin Republicans, remember that, you know, Governor Evers was toying with the idea of, of delaying the April election, and Wisconsin Republicans took the correct position that, no, we, we can't delay the election. We've got to go ahead and, and proceed. And just like we should have gone ahead and proceeded with the April election like we did, we, we shouldn't delay the November election either, whether it's because of concerns about COVID-19 and absentee ballots or whatever. Bottom line is, it's all the responsibility of the, the local and state election officials to get their acts together and to figure out how, even in the midst of a pandemic, how you conduct an election. And that means maybe for for example, the Milwaukee Election Commission and the holdover commissioner that you know you, you got to figure out a way to keep more than five polling places open because what you did was an object failure in April. But hopefully you've, you've been able to learn something from that and you'll figure out a better plan. But the bottom line of all this is President Trump saying that he wants to at least even floating the idea that you want to delay the election now plays into this and if you watch the talking head shows tonight people are going to be saying see this is trump's idea he wants to declare himself to be a dictator he he doesn't want to go through the election bottom line is this is one where you know you were sending out that tweet maybe this is one where just you should have kind of proofread it and maybe hit that dump button that delete button before you hit the send button but it, it underscores my point that from time to time i think president trump is his own worst enemy back with more in just a minute jeff wagner on wtmj so very glad to have you with us all right i i had 
the weather looks like it's going to be really, really nice this weekend. And my guess is there's going to be all sorts of people that are going to be out and about. I have in an we will explore this on, on Monday's program. This is, of course, the first weekend that the mayor of Chicago, her imposed ban on people traveling to Wisconsin and then returning to Chicago or coming from Wisconsin and going to Chicago. This is the weekend that it goes into effect. Wisconsin is now listed as one of those states where if you spend more than 24 hours there, you've got to self-quarantine. That, that's, that's the idea. Now, like I say, so far, this order has been in effect for a couple of weeks for all sorts of other states, and nobody's been cited, but they say they're going to get tough on this. So here, here is the question. This kind of goes back to what I've been talking about with all these different quarantine and these mask orders, which is if you put things in place without any mechanisms for enforcement, are, are you really accomplishing anything or is this just virtual you know virtue signaling that here we're we're going to do this stuff because we're hoping people will comply but we really don't have any consequences for not doing it so here's really kind of the the acid test test is going to be if you are in some of our vacation areas if you're up in door county this weekend if you are in lake geneva this weekend do you think you're going to see fewer illinois license plates than you you would have done previously and by the way i know that not everybody from illinois lives in chicago but at the same time there's no doubt that a a decent portion or at least a portion of the people who regularly come up and vacation in Door County or who, you know, have places in Door County or have places, you know, in, in Lake Geneva or in some of the various lakes, you know, throughout um, throughout southeastern Wisconsin or south central Wisconsin. I know that there is a portion of them who are clearly, you know, from Chicago. So the question is going to be, are they paying any attention to this order? Will they be there? You know, will they say, oh, my gosh, well, if we go up to the place that we have in, in Lake Geneva or at Paddock Lake or wherever, if we go to that place that we, you know, our, our place to get away from the city and, and we spend 24 or 48 hours, we go up on Friday night, and we come back on Sunday evening or whatever, we're now supposed to quarantine for two weeks. So we're not going to quarantine for two weeks because that's just not practical. So we're just not going to go. Now, do you think anybody's going to follow that rule? Do you think anybody's really going to comply with that? And, and maybe people will. Maybe they will. My guess is you will see just as many cars and license plates from Illinois in Lake Geneva or in Door County or in any other of the areas. You'll see just as many this weekend as you saw last weekend or two weekends ago or three weekends ago because Nobody is going to comply with this rule, which then raises the question of if you've got no way of forcing compliance, why have the rule in the first place? All right. When we come back, we got a lot of stuff coming up in the two o'clock hour of the program. Do not go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Melissa, yeah, I, I, give me the female perspective on this. Okay, mm-hmm. look, look at the, look at the monitor mm-hmm. that we have here, and okay. you, it, it's the one. One of the things we're looking at is the mayor of Milwaukee, right? Yes, he's on a Zoom. Okay, he's on he's on a mm-hmm. Zoom. Now, what do you notice about the mayor of Milwaukee? 
<laughs> well, I noticed this the other day. He is uh, sporting a beard. He is he is sporting a, a beard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so give me the female perspective. Is it a thumbs up or is it a thumbs down on this look? Not not beards yeah. in general, but on the look for Tom Barrett. I would say no. I would say yeah, I like the the, the the smoother looks better. I'd say put the mask back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I see. He's it, trying okay. something new. So I, know, I, I, well, yeah. I see. I know this is from my perspective. I said that. See, there are some guys that look really good in beards. Yes. Um, I am not. So I, I'll say, I can't I'm imagine not one of them. you. Yeah, I can't. Well, imagine Well, no, because just like with Barrett's, mine comes in white. Oh, you know, yeah. so it, and and is it kind of splotchy, like here and there? No, no, no. I oh, can, I can go, but oh. I, but I just, but it, it comes in white, mm-hmm. and so it makes me look I was ten years say, older. It makes Barrett look a little older. It makes me look, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, and again, you, re, I guess, if you're 16 years old, you you want to look older. But you know, yeah. when you're my age, you you don't. <laughs> I, I actually look younger than I I, I look younger mm-hmm. than I am, and why? I give that to you. Yeah, I think you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah exactly. You have, oh, no, you have a young-looking face. Yeah, there's no question mm-hmm. about it. So uh, you know, so I just no. And so my, yeah. my look, if I grew if I grew a beard, it would come in. It would look kind of like that that color of Barrett's and stuff. And yeah, I give him credit for trying something new, but I think um, yeah, it does make him look. Older. Ten years older, yeah. Yeah, see, exactly. And now, now our producer grew. Grew's got a beard. He he look he looks good. He does look he, good. He looks good. The the beard goes with him. With Gru. Yeah, I come from a family of bearded men, so. Okay, well, yeah, exactly. But no, and, and that's why, I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily anti-beard, although, mm-hmm. um, I see, I, I've never, I, it makes me look older. It's, I, I can never get past like that one or two week thing, too, where it's like it's really itchy? scratchy and oh. stuff, and I, I don't like that. And um, then the other factor is that uh, my, my wife does not like it at all. <laughs> so, you know, you, you put those all together, and it's just like, yeah, I, I mean, it's I, not I, worth it. it makes me look older. It's uncomfortable. I don't like the look, and my wife doesn't like it. So you put those all together, yeah. and you know, not for you, not for me exactly. <laughs> okay, I was just, I, yes. I just kind of wanted the female perspective on that. I don't kind of disagree with mm-hmm. that, but it looks good on you, Gru. No question about yeah, it. it. Does. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Okay, let's get serious here for a minute. Oh, by the way, a number of people are, um, you know, a number of people are, are are asking me. This is going to be an interesting question for the media to to pursue. Now, keep in mind, we, we've just had this statewide mask mandate that, that's come down the, the pipe. And, and the governor's justification is he thinks we need this, this statewide mandate in order to restrict the, the number of people and uh, who, who get it. Okay. One of the questions is, we have, of course, had – the city of Milwaukee has had a mandate for, like, the last, what, week and a half or two weeks. Dane County has had mask mandates. We, we've had local mask mandates – I think it is an interesting question and a fair question to say, okay, in those areas, in the communities where we have had the mask mandates, has there been a noticeable reduction in the number of, of COVID-19 cases? And again, I, so, I mean, I, I, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. My, my sense is no, but that doesn't necessarily, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case. It's just my, my sense. In other words, you know, if the city of Milwaukee's mandate has been in effect for the last 10 days or two weeks or whatever that number would be, have we seen a dramatic decline in the number of COVID cases over the last week or 10 days? Same thing with Dane County, some, same thing with other counties. If the answer to that is no, then I guess my question is, 
Uh-huh. All right, why is the statewide mask mandate going to be different? I, I just, I, I raise that. And maybe the answer is yes. Maybe since they put the Milwaukee mask mandate into effect or the Dane County mask mandate into effect, the number of active cases in those communities has dropped dramatically. It's not my sense, but I guess time, time will tell um, as to how that's going to all play out. Okay, let us switch gears. There is a concentrated effort going on, as we have talked about in the past, in my opinion, to run the Milwaukee police chief out of office. He's got, what, three-plus years left on a four-year contract. He was never the choice of the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. It was not the choice. He, There are a number of members of the Common Council who, and I'm just going to be frank here, in my opinion, they want a, an, they want a black police chief. And uh, Chief Morales, second-generation Mexican-American, doesn't fit that description. They wanted a black chief before to replace Ed Flynn because, I've, for whatever reason, they think he's going to be able to better relate to, you know, the, the black community, whatever. But, I, but, but there's a number of primarily um, black aldermen and women who've sent this, we, we have no confidence in the chief. Um, and you've got other members of the Common Council who've been sniping at him for a variety of other things like, gee, we use tear gas to try to, you know, put down the protesters. How awful is that? So you've got this concerted effort to try to run him out of office. Story in the paper just yesterday about how Chief Morales' attorney, Frank Gimbel, you know, says, look, it, it's very, very clear. There's a high-ranking police department official been told by a member of the Fire and Police Commission that they intend to fire the chief. And I guess I don't think that's particularly insightful. They've set up these rules. They've set him up to fail. They want him out, right? Now, and I think what's going on is they're they're pretty much willing to do anything they can to try to force him out, including making his situation, both personally and professionally, so, so difficult that he just finally says, to heck with it. Mr. Gimbel, my attorney, here's what I want you to do. They want me out. I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted, where I don't have support. Negotiate a buyout. That's, I think, what is going on here, because if they can get him to go voluntarily, even if they have to pay him a bunch of money, that's going to be the end. That's going to be what Tom Barrett is trying to achieve. That's going to be what the members of the Fire and Police Commission are going to try to achieve. And if it means that the city of Milwaukee becomes even more dangerous than it possibly is, well, they're willing to do that because, you know, we will sacrifice Chief Morales in the name of political correctness. All right, one of the things that has been going on is you have this small but vocal group of protesters who have been ratcheting up their their antics and their actions. And the latest thing that they have been doing is they have been showing up outside Chief Morales' personal residence. And they, they've been essentially holding street parties. Now we talked about this. We talked about this the the other day. So now the chief lives in a residential neighborhood. So what they've been doing is they've had people that have been showing up, and all hours of the day and night, they've been openly smoking marijuana. They've been grilling food in the street. They show up with loudspeakers and they scream things like, you're going to be fired soon, etc. They block traffic and they essentially have a, a giant block party. They bring like the cornhole games and stuff. And, and they do this with the intention of trying to harass 
the chief. There, there's reports of how kids will be running up, trespassing on his property with flashlights and peering into the, the house. Okay, so that's the backdrop of what's been going on. Some of the neighbors, well, it, it, be, because some of the protesters are bullies and harassers, there's some people who just don't don't want to get involved because they don't want to have the attention turned on them. But there's other members of the neighborhood who are saying, First of all, this is disturbing the peace. I mean, you just can't show up outside somebody's house night after night and turn on loudspeakers and play music and have a street party. You, you can't have block parties, you know, and block the streets. There's other people who are saying, you know, what happens if emergency vehicles need to get by? So, I mean, it's it's a situation which under no circumstances should be occurring. Well, a couple of days ago, the older woman from that area, you know, she... She comes out and, you know, she says, look, I, I support the right of protest, but this th- this can't be going on. You know, th- this, you know, her name is Nakia Dodd. She's saying, oh, I'm getting complaints from at least some other members of the neighborhood. I support the right of protest, but this, this can't be happening. You know, we, we, we can't be allowing people to, to do this. That was the right position. Well, in what is hardly a profile in courage, she has now reversed herself, giving into the mob. All right, she came back with a statement yesterday saying, you know, the, these protest parties that I denounced earlier this week, well, never mind. I found those statements to be damaging, dangerous, and inaccurate. She said, just as I stood before my constituents to hear their concerns about what troubled them when the activists visit their neighborhood, I made myself available to listen to the activists. That would be the loud mob and some of whom were constituents to hear their stories of how some of them lost their loved ones after encounters with the police. And she goes on to say that, well, you know, I just my my statement is keep marching. So all that stuff I said about blocking the emergency goals and disturbing the peace, never mind. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think the chief of police or any public official, by the way, whether you're an alderman or alderwoman, whether you're the mayor of the city, whether you're the governor of the state, I don't think any public official should have to to put up with, or their neighbors should have have to put up with lawlessness, trespassing illegal activity in the name of protest outside their personal residences. And just like if you had a a group of people that would decide, all right, we're going to show up outside of Tom Barrett's house every night and we're going to block the streets and we're going to get on loudspeakers and we're going to trespass and have people run up and shine flashlights in his house, just like that would not and should not be allowed, I think this type of behavior outside the police chief's house is completely and totally inappropriate as well. And I think any citizen... Any taxpayer has the right to expect that, for example, in this case, the police department, and I'm sure Chief Morales does, doesn't want to engage this. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the last, what, what's going on, I think, is you've got the protesters, you've got the mob who are, are trying to provoke a response. Because you know what's going to happen. I mean, all you need to do is finally the police chief say, look, th- th- enough is enough. I want to be treated like any average citizen. And I don't want people, you know, playing loud music outside my house. And I don't want people blocking the streets. And I don't want people trespassing on my property. And 
Of course, it's a game with some of the protesters and the mob. They're trying to, in my opinion, engage the police. And so then when the police show up, that's just going to be further excuse for ratcheting up the bad behavior. It's wrong. It would be wrong if they were doing it to the alderman. It would be wrong if they're doing it to the mayor. It was wrong when some protesters did that to Scott Walker at his residence when he lived in Wauwatosa. And it's wrong when they're doing it with the police chief. And shame on this alder woman for deciding to do the complete and total backtrack as she caves into the demands from people who are engaging in lawlessness. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Bob in Menominee Falls. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Uh, you know, Jeff, this absolutely almost turns my st- No, it does turn my stomach. This is not part of Chief Morales' job description. Uh, and, and as far as this older woman is concerned, uh, she needs to... Uh, uh, to Be careful to, now. To, <laughs> yeah, De- develop I, I am, a backbone? It, develop a backbone it, and stand it, up for what's a right? Little, a little gumption would be nice. Well, yeah, I mean, right. See, that's, I mean, thanks for the, thanks for the call. I mean, see, that's, that, that's, it. this is caving into the mob. And unfortunately, this is what's been going on. And there, there's going to be a backlash. But you have some elected officials out there who I think in their heart of hearts know what the right thing is to do. But instead, they're, they're, they're cowed. They are afraid by, they are afraid of getting on the wrong side of what I'm describing as the mob. Some of the, these folks who are loud, they are vocal. They've got their agenda, and they're not going to stop until they accomplish that. And they don't care if they're trespassing. They don't care if they're disturbing the peace. They think they have this higher calling, and and it, it is. They're bullies. They are harassers. And the fact that you've got so many public officials that are allowing these groups to intimidate people. Now, look, I, I, I don't, I don't care. You want to stage protests against Al Morales? Stage protests against the chief. That, that's okay. That, that's your right. But you know, imagine going out to somebody's private residence and, and doing this on on a night after night basis. Okay, imagine if you had a bunch of people who opposed the Milwaukee mask ordinance, and imagine if night after night after night they were doing the same thing outside Tom Barry house that they're doing outside of Chief Morales's house and you know it wouldn't be tolerated you know and you know and it shouldn't be tolerated let's talk to Larry and Kiwaskum Larry you're in WTMJ hi Jeff how you doing well I'm kind of worked up about this I just don't think it's right <laughs> <laughs> good good see Jeff you know I don't I I don't quite understand why the police don't come and break this up I mean I can't go and throw a party in the in, you know in the middle of a street in Kiwaskum right. and you know you know so first of all I don't get why the police department isn't doing something with this and second of all the older woman I heard on another show um, this morning that <clears throat> they actually protested at her house oh after she could. defended the chief yeah <laughs> so she defe- she, she says look we're not even defending the chief she just yeah. she's defending the neighborhood so then they right. target her and then she backs down is that what and you heard exactly now? it's it's ridiculous. Jeff, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and I don't understand why the police department doesn't do anything about it, unless they were under, you know, unless they're working under uh, the mayor's orders. Well, I, I think, I mean, I, yeah, well, Larry, thanks. For, I mean, I, I mean, I understand they, they don't want to engage because what, what you have is you have a, a small vocal group who is engaging in bad behavior and who are testing limits. It's kind of like like the out of control 
you know, 12 year old or 10 year old. They keep pushing limits because they're, they're trying to engage. They're trying to provoke a response. They're trying to do something that's going to get them arrested. And, and then, you know, that, that just ratchets up the thing. I mean, okay. You had people that the city of Milwaukee let, let block a three block stretch of Water Street and paint defund the police on on the street. Now, as I was saying before, I couldn't go down and block off Wisconsin Avenue and paint, you know, make America great again or vote for Trump or, you know, chief Morales rules. Nobody would have been allowed to do that. But yet again, and it, this isn't I'm not faulting the police on this, but what they know is you've got elected officials starting with Mayor Tom, and then, you know, going through the Common Council and the Fire and Police Commission, they do not have the backs of the rank-and-file police officers. And and I understand the police are hamstrung here because the, the protesters, we'll use that word in the broadest sense, they're trying to provoke responses. They, they want to be seen as victims here. And so the police are just trying to give them their head a, until they get too far. And I mean, I don't know what the limits are, but all I'm saying is I have nothing against protest. If you want to do it, that's fine. I, I think outside people's private residences and the way this is being conducted, it, it's, it's not just, hey, we're standing on the sidewalks and we're carrying signs, fire morales. We're, we're having street parties. We're blocking the streets. We're trespassing on private property. That's wrong. And it should stop. I don't know how it's going to stop because, again, the city of Milwaukee is pretty much out of control. But it should stop. This is Jeff Wagner.